0: Hello and welcome to Miller's Game Room Podcast episode 12. If you want to listen to more of this podcast, then please consider like leaving likes, subscribes, 5 star ratings, etc. on your streaming platforms of choice. I've got quite a lot to talk about today, um, especially because like the last one was like a week late compared to when it was well I planned to get up, and so I was like, I'll do this one now because a lot's happened, like with Nintendo shutdowns. Uh, Soul Hackers 2, and a few other things which I'm going to talk about today. Um, first off, just a couple of other miscellaneous updates. I did a uh, a 3DS collection video for my YouTube channel, Millers Game Room, which uh, had, uh, at the time of recording this, over 100 views, which is like my best view count ever, and it's basically like an extra podcast episode, so you want to listen to that and me talk about my 3DS games for almost 50 minutes, uh, consider watching that. I also did a uh, 5 minute impressions video for Nintendo Switch Sports for the online playtest, which I did, check it out. And because uh, Nintendo wouldn't let me talk about it on Twitter, so I was like, you know what, I think I'm going to just do this out of spite. Put it on there, because it shows how completely unenforceable, not asking people to post on social media is, and I don't care how corporations feel about this kind of thing. And then finally I tr- tried another stream, I streamed h 22 Untold as a test stream. Uh, I'm proud of myself, hope to stream more, i not sure when it'll be, hopefully this week, I don't know, but yeah, Echronicity 2 Untold plays quite well in Citra, and um, other games too, which I'm going to come on to actually, because that brings me on to the main topic, which um, I'm going to do news first, but the actual topic of Nintendo and the store shutting, which is what everyone knows about, is going to be at the end, so that'll be the news first, with a lot of news And then what I've been playing, which is going to be kind of shortish because I've not got much to talk about. And the third section will be about Nintendo stuff. So to start off with the most recent news, Uh, Soul Hackers 2 was announced today. Atlas did a teaser site, and it was basically left up for days with new images appearing. And in result was, well, Soul Hackers 2, which is the official sequel to the game Shin Megami Tensei Devil Summoner Soul Hackers, which is what we know in the West as the first Soul Hackers. Uh, The first Soul Hackers came out on the Sega Saturn, and then it was ported to the PSP. Neither of those versions came to the West, but then we got the remake on the 3DS, which is what we've got now, which um, as an aside, if you want that game on the 3DS physically, I suggest getting it now before the prices get too bad, or on the eShop, which, well yeah, even if the shop wasn't closed and the physical prices will still get pretty bad, but that's just to not get too off track with that. It's coming to all major platforms except the Nintendo Switch on August 25th in Japan. 26th worldwide with like dual audio and like multiple languages. So like English and other major European languages. But yeah, really glad to see it. It looks incredible. Love the aesthetic, the art style. It's like, it feels like kind of like a, a kind of more like Neo Persona 5, if that makes sense in terms of its tone. Like it definitely feels like atlas have been really like evolving quite a bit in terms of making really charming unique aesthetics not just persona but in non persona too like ST mainline so this is the next evolution and it's on xbox so although it's not on switch which will likely come later because switch makes bank for developers this is coming to ps4 ps5 xbox series x and s so like the new the new Xbox and the current gen one and of course PC via steam uh, this is not the first time sT has been on Xbox uh, in Japan sT one got released for the original Xbox it's one of a handful of Xbox exclusives in Japan uh, other things it was the music was composed by Monica which um. Did, like near Automata and Replicant and some of things, and if a trailer music's anything to go by, it's going to be incredible. Um, I'm, I did notice a minor concern in the trailer though, which I feel is worth noting because it's a potential accessibility issue. And towards the end of the trailer, then the characters like being like regenerated, it's kind of like got flashy images in terms of like whites, and it's like I found it really overstimulating. So I'm hoping that's not an issue in the game because if it is, that's going to be a problem. Or it will hopefully get patched out in Steam if it does happen. But yeah, fingers crossed that's not a severe issue. Enough for Soul Hackers 2, there'll be more info. Like, I actually did a full write up on it. So if you want to read on it, there's all, all the info there, not just what Atlas have put on the Western accounts. All right, on to the next bit where the CEO of Platinum Games has said that Platinum would be open to acquisition offers as long as it gets to maintain its freedom. Um, Yeah. If this was in the context of Activision Blizzard's acquisition, which has been gone over those times already, um, they doubt that Activision will get micromanaged to the point where they lose all their freedom, and he doubts the relationship will be like that, and it's like... You, it's like you, you can pick one. You can either pick like true freedom or the constraint of being owned by a larger company, and it's impossible to have both it is impossible to have freedom when you're required, because there'll always be, like, a level of restraint, because your company will, they'd want you to do something, and, yeah, you might have financial stability, but if a company goes to shit, like, the whole the whole subsidiary, you'd all be gone, and it's like, no company's too big to fail, and that's the thing, especially for in this system, if you're under a company like Amazon, or something that's known for mistreating its workers, it's like, you've got, you're really, like, fucked in that sense. And it's just, I would be careful. And it's like, it's like he it kind of indirectly acknowledges it himself. It just feels like trying to push a bit of a contradiction, if that makes sense. It's hard to describe, but it's like, I feel like you, I just feel like he knows deep down. Like, if they got bought out, yeah, ever would have some financial stability, which, which for a company like them would be good because a lot of their IPs are quite niche and, um, Although they're great games, they don't not they're not guaranteed sales successes, and they're having to try to take risks like self publishing, like Soul Crester, for example, and they don't have the library that a company like Activision does. But it just feels like that, like it might be trying to get someone to t- want to come in to buy them because they fear for their long term future, which I kind of get. But at the same time, you're not going to be free if you're bought out, and that's a reality that they need to accept. And with that said, if Platinum was to get bought out, by like any major company. The best one would probably be Nintendo because of the fact that they've already made like multiple games for Nintendo platforms, including exclusives. And like Astral Chain, Star Fox Zero, Bayonetta 2 and 3, etc, etc. It's like if that was to happen, because Nintendo are like, oh we don't believe people in buying people out that don't have the Nintendo DNA and it's like Activ- not Activision. Activision definitely don't, but Platinum might do, but I don't want to, to go into all like speculating on buy apps crap because that just goes down rabbit holes that I do not want to entertain, especially given all the other Nintendo stuff we will be talking about later. Anyway, um, next one is the all Axis news. This was basically Axis Games had a digital press event, like, not I mean, the press event is more like an announcement live stream, like last week. It's basically Nintendo Direct Axis Edition, and they announced a few things like. It was shorter than I thought it'd be. I thought it'd be at least thirty minutes, but it only like twenty minutes. There was um, there was like for a couple of indies. Like it was a fighting game. It looked alright because think really, Axis is known for fighting games in the past. It's like having a new fighting game, even if it's like an indie game made by like one guy, is still kind of good for them. And a couple of games, there was this Horie Hue plus friends like shmup game, which looked quite cute, and um, MonYu. Which is for localization of a experiencing game. And they have not chosen the final name yet. And this is why. Because if you know what this game is, you will know about its name. And it's there's this trope in Japan where some games have unnecessarily long names. And it's like, I'm not really sure why, but it's common. And this is the full name of Monu Uh Mon-Yu is just what it's shortened to. So it's um the guy even said the whole name on stream. And it's like Oh, wow, he actually did it. And to prove a point, Mon-Yu is called in Japan, Defeat monsters to get strong swords and armour. Even if you die, fight and become stronger. We believe in the day the heroes will defeat the Demon Lord. That's, a, that's a, the full name. Like, you can't stick that on a Switch spine. Because that's coming over for Switch and for Steam as well, which looks alright. The arts from the illustrator that did the original Seventh Dragon um and some other things as well um so it's interesting and it might be good i'm not sure i've always had a kind of like a mixed like time with experiencing games like i like demon gaze but other ones i tried not so much um and or i saw game for gameplay footage i was like you know what i'm, I'm not gonna like that so i'm not going to um go and get it and just save money and it's fine it's like I hope it does well But I think early 2023 is really late for it, especially because it's already been out in Japan for, like, several months now. Anyway, the final part where we talked about release dates for the Otomato games, because they had, like, four or five games picked up. There's obviously Variable Barricade, which is coming out this week, um, but there's some others as well. Um, First off, there's the P4A uh, Episodio 1926 fan disc, which was delayed to the autumn, but it's getting a limited edition, which looks alright. like... I've not played the base P4A and I don't really care for games where there's potentially like abusive as bandos and stuff like that. Because that's because it's a game with like a mafia setting. It's like I don't want to be in a, in a setting where I'm going to know that people are going to do absolutely horrible things. And it's like I don't want to be in that kind of really gritty dark setting for a game. And it's like cool for those who are into it. Like it's one of Otomate's biggest like Otome IPs now, especially in modern times. Like, it recently got re-released on the uh, mobile phone app, which they have in Japan for a bunch of their big stuff, including Hakuoki and Amnesia and Colex Malice as well, which, not in English. Uh, Other thing is um, there's the newer games. So there's Love and Pretend and Paradigm Paradox, which are two other original games are also slated for the autumn. And then the last one, which is... um, it's not got an English name confirmed yet, but it's called Kimiyuki for short, and it's slated for twenty twenty three. So it's like I'm fine with the just these dates. Like I didn't expect the new announcement because like having like five games at once is quite a lot, especially if you've not got them released yet. And I'd rather take longer than have released games with tons of typos in them. Um, also, I do feel that I would have liked to have seen a non-otome VN picked up because they have done those in the past. Like, obviously, Axes are the most known for Zero Escape, and like they did a, a Jake Hunter game, and it would have been nice to see that, especially with the Switch, like having a lot more VNs on it now. Like, chemco has done a bunch of like non-otome romance games and not romance games, but things like like Shogi Mystery thing, and the and is also experiencing third horror game, which is. Not out in Japan yet, but could come over at some point. It would have been nice to have seen a third game, but they said it of more later in the year, so hopefully there's something else. Because only having Otome in terms of VNs, like, it's great, but it's not really enough to sustain a company. And that's not even it for the Otome, because there's still more. There's the, in Japan, there was the Desert State Otomate 2022 fan event, which is basically Idea Factory getting Otomate fans together with a live stream. And in person to be like oh let's talk about latest otomate stuff get some announcements and stuff and have fun and they had quite a few and it's i like talking about these kind of things especially japan only stuff because it like gets the word out there and it might potentially flag to people what could get localized and this is a good example of it so first up there's a fan to cupid parasite which was a game that idea factory international localized uh, like last year it's called cupid parasite sweet and spicy darling it's, I well, it's sweet and spicy. Um, I don't think there's a date for it yet, but I think it might come west, especially if I, I IFI like, keep releasing Otome games because they stopped doing Otome games like three years. And it also meant that we didn't get the localizations of either Amnesia or Hakaoki fan discs. And speaking of Hakuoki fan discs, another Hakaoki-like fan disc was announced. Uh, Hakaoki Shinkai and no Show is like the fifth one. Like, they've done loads of them, like... Especially for Japan, but we've not had any even release in the West. Like, the only Hakuoka games we've had are the... Is the base game, and the same version of the base game, or expanded version of the base game, but not actual new games. And now we get to the Switch, and all these games come out, it's like, oh, we're not getting any now. So, yeah, I don't expect to see this in English, especially because of all the other ones that haven't been translated. Um, And plus, um, the original illustrator, Kazuki Yone, I think... Um, no longer illustrates the games, so whoever's doing them now is basically like copying her art kind of thing, and it's like she's not done it for years, so it's uh, there's a whole bit of a controversy with that, which I'm not going into, but yeah, that's uh yeah, I don't expect to see this in English. Uh, next one is in another port, it's called uh, Clap for Nintendo Switch. It's a port containing the two Clap games that came out for the PS Vita, dated for June 9th, and this is where it's going to get slightly weird because it's the, the games are called uh, Clap. Two exclamation marks, kind love and punish, and clap. Kind love and punish fun party. The second one's a fan disc. Um, yeah. So to explain the context of it, this game is another light-hearted uh, like otome, where you're in a I think it's a school setting, like not a high school setting. I think it's like a fantasy-ish school setting where you basically have to train his bandos, including spanking. Like it's romantic. It's like a wholesome school setting. I'm not sure. I've not played it, but I think there's actually a chance that we'll get it in English because Idea Factory International, I feel that's the kind of thing they'd potentially go for. I don't think Axis would do it because it's really light-hearted and it's lewd. I mean, I don't think... Um, I mean, I'm not sure CLAP is lewd, but it is weird. And um, apparently, it's good for Japanese language learners because of its school setting. And I'd, and maybe if I get, actually get, pick up a copy, I might give it a try, but... Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure how you feel about that, but... Um, it's a thing, so we might see it, we might not, but it's still good to have more older games on other platforms. And, well, if it never leaves Japan, it well, might be worth importing. Uh, and to some new stuff as well, because there were a few some new things. A uh, new game called Sympathy Kiss, um, like a real-world office setting for 2022, and... Um, Okay, another one called uh, Sui Teru Hime to Tsutenai Kishidan. I've butchered that, I'm sorry. Has like a fantasy setting, if that makes sense. Um, And another game, the opening theme for the game called Tengoku Struggle Strayside, which was announced like last month, was shown. And this is the interesting part. They're doing another new brand, like Idea Factory have done brands in the past, including ones that we never had over here. Like they have brands of corporate heart, like the Makaichi by Khan, and oh the um there was old ones like Lupinus as well, and if they've, they've had a BL brand actually, like so like in the two thousands they actually had a Boys Love VN brand, which is I guess interesting a little nugget of history. But this is another brand that they've done, uh called Alter Gear. It's um the aim to is release male centered stories built upon bonds and friendship. So yeah, it's, I think it's called like Jainousige, it's that kind of thing where it's aimed at women but not as strictly no No territory. if that makes sense. they have three games, there's first off the Dig Rock Documentary of Beautiful Sounds like thing I talked about before, which is the mint-lip collaboration with the Drama CV thing, it's an actual game. Next one is a Rashomon of Shinjuku, it looks like a darker, like moodier real-world game and it's the interesting part, it's a collaboration with uh, Toe Animation but also with Carrion uh, Entertainment, who are known for releasing London Detective Mysteria in the West, which Exceed Localised for the West. And this not the, this could potentially come over, actually, because especially like because of like, Mysteria coming over, I think it's possible that this game from this brand could actually come over, depending on what the content is, which is kind of cool. And I think we might see it. So, yeah, that's interesting. Um, Then the final one was uh, Sukai Tenki, which is a historical game from its trailer. Also, Tony animation credit. So, yeah, um, I like to look at this brand, actually. Like, wholesome guy games. It's like, I'm all for it because the less toxic masculinity in gaming, the better. Because more wholesome guy games come to the West. More wholesome, like, cuteness. And guys actually being good people showing the power of friendship and it's like it's so cute and i hope to see like like more games in this brand like not be a one-time thing because like i am sure have, like makaichi bankan was like a one-time thing because they did like mike Cube and trillion and then they just well stopped releasing games under the brand so i'm hoping this one stays around for a while and they still get games out even after this initial batch is out so yeah that's um pr- overall pretty good batch of uh announcements in terms of japanese otome and i think we will see um, at least some of these in English. Uh, my guess is would be the Cupid Parasite fan disc, um, possibly Clap for Switch. And uh, in terms of the uh, the Alter Gear, I think we might see the Rashi one of Shinjuku the most. And in terms of the newer games, possibly Stray Side. I'm not really sure on what that's about, but it could be could potentially come over. Like especially because almost anything from a gets picked up now, so i can't really say for sure what will come over because there's so many but yeah um i'm gonna move on to briefly talk about what i've been playing because i've only got like three things here um mentioned like summer night twin age i'm like really close to the end now i'm liking it but halfway through probably about 15 like 16 odd hours to be like i think that's how long it will take me it's a nice game it's like a rhythm once you know what you're doing. It's a bit repetitive when you know what you're doing. It's really nice and simple and it's short. Especially between like bigger, longer games. It's really nice to have that. Um, and for like my other things like Maritinus Open, which I tried after like talking about the three days collection. I was like, you know what, I'll give this game a try. And it's like, I tried it when I was younger and I f- forgot why I didn't quite click with it. And I tried it again. I was like, yeah, I'm seeing one now because it's all right. It's fun, it's just not something I'm really super into because it's a sports game, and that's fine. But I definitely like it more than realistic football, so that's good. And like the kind of EA and NBA and that kind of scheme, I'm just not interested in those, whereas I kind of like Meritennis Open, if that makes sense. Like, it's good, but I wouldn't sink money into it, and it's like... I'd rather just get the ones that are cheap on the 3DS now if I want to play sports games, like Mario Golf, rather than get the ones on the Switch. Or at least not until they're, like, down to, like under a tenner like the 3DS ones are now, because they're just not worth, like, loads of money to me, if that makes sense. And then finally we have Duolingo for Japanese, which, um yeah, almost at 40 days now, time of recording, not broken my streak, and I'm on unit 3, I'm hoping I can start thinking up whether to import things soon or not to start practicing but i don't think that's going to be for a while like i want to make sure i'm in a good position before i import something because i want to make sure i can actually understand like basic level so i don't have to do too much in the way of research and luckily like as i mentioned before briefly with clap because it's set in a school setting they're the kind of games that i want to go for if that makes sense and have more like day-to-day life like even things like white Harbor 2 would be uh, more like it's set in the real world with some parts in a school setting part uni part work that would be be something to to choose but i'll cross that bridge when i get there all right and now on to the third topic for today which is well the whole wii u 3ds eshop closure thing that at this point pretty much anyone who has any idea about what goes on in gaming has some awareness of which going to talk about because i have things i want to say on it and also some well recommendations as well in terms of games and both things i've played and things i've not that people raise highly so well just worth looking around to buy stuff while you still can so to speak so yeah um to remind people the the in, in late march 2023 so next year The Wii U and 3DS eShops will be taken offline permanently, so you can no longer buy things on them. Though in practice, the closure is starting sooner. On the 23rd of May, uh, Nintendo is not allowing direct payments to take place anymore on the eShop. And on August 29th, you will no longer be able to register new gift cards on it. However, if you can register gift cards on your Switch, you you can still use the money on that on the eShop, from what I've seen. Um, I'm going to go over a couple of, um, i say good things, if that makes sense. Like, legitimate reasons to not, I mean, kind of, like, are a couple of things that, like, shows it's something that is good in a way. But also, it's still a bit disappointing. And now, first thing is, first off, is that we've got plenty of warning. Nintendo was like, Ah, we'll just announce it with well over a year to spare. gives people time to prepare, which is the right thing to do. Which, compared to what Sony did, which was basically give only a few months, and that sent people into a panic. So people were panicking over what to get, basically. And it led to, ironically, more people using the store, because people were rushing to get things. And so it was one reason they backed off in shutting the Vita and PS3 stores. PSP store went, but... PSP is much older and you can basically get most PSP games on the Vita at each store so that made sense. Second thing is that from a like a technical and security perspective there are like legitimate reasons to want to pull the plug on the store and that's because the infrastructure itself is quite old and it's more vulnerable to exploits which puts security data of not just Nintendo but also customers at risk And so as the costs pile up and the extra time to maintain it starts draining, people who head up these infrastructures, not just Nintendo, will think it's just easier to just pull the plug on the whole thing and just let it die, basically. Which makes sense in that perspective because hackers will eventually crack it. It does happen with gaming-related stuff, so that is understandable. But the lack of alternative provision for legacy content... something that does need to be addressed because yeah you can get rid of the e-shop but you won't get rid of the necessity to preserve video games and that sense it's still a disaster for game preservation because it shows how little the games industry cares about legally preserving games and this forces people to turn to emulation and piracy and I think that people who are defending Nintendo's decision by going, oh, the people upset haven't bought from the eShops in years. It's like a bit disingenuous because even if people haven't bought from it in years, it still doesn't change the fact it's still a bad disaster for preservation and Nintendo should be offering an alternative. And thing to note is to pick up physical copies new and used while you can because after the closure prices will skyrocket. Especially for the 3DS, due to its large number of rare RPGs. In my video I did um, on my channel with my 3DS collection, I have quite a lot of rare RPGs, and one thing that did come up was about prices, so, like, especially the Atlas stuff. So, it is a, a real issue. And it's the same with like other genres on 3DS, and the Wii U took points because there are some rare games on the Wii U. Um, I do want to highlight a question that was removed from the Q&A about classic content that's quite obnoxious but I think says a lot about how Nintendo were approaching it internally which I do want to highlight and I'll go over it now I want to read it in full to make sure I get the whole context across because I think it's best to just hear it straight from the horse's mouth so the question was once it is no longer possible to purchase software in the eShop, on Wii U, and for Nintendo 3DS family systems, many classic games for past platforms will cease to be available for purchase anywhere. Will you make classic games available to own some other way? If not, then why? Doesn't Nintendo have an obligation to preserve its classic games by continually making them available for purchase? And um, there's a side note before I go into the answer. That is a leading question, because... It's, it's trying to suggest that people... It's like, it's basically phrasing from the perspective of people who care about game preservation, And it's like, don't you have an obligation to do this? Like, the intention is to make people respond with, oh, yes. And that's what a leading question is. And that's interesting for an FAQ, because it's like, you anticipated this. And the answer says... Across our Nintendo Switch Online Membership plans, over 130 classic games are currently available in growing libraries for various legacy systems. The games often enhanced with new features such as online play. We think this is an effective way to make classic content easily available to a broad range of players. Within these libraries, new and long-term players can not only find games they remember or have heard about other fun games they might not have thought to seek out otherwise. We currently have no plans to offer classic content in other ways. And, yeah, that's kind of damning, really. And, of course, this was quickly taken down after it went up, so I have a feeling that wasn't supposed to be put up, and someone probably got in trouble for it. But you can, you can hit, hit a low-ranking level of staff with a, a punishment, but it wasn't changed the fact that it's a, a cultural attitude prevailing to at Nintendo, and, by extension, other companies, too. And it's also important to highlight how many games are going to get lost as well, which is what Video Games Chronicle did. Uh, they said up to a 1,000 digital games are going to be lost to time across the 3DS and Wii U eShops in terms of Western releases because Japan has a lot of 3DS exclusives, like if you saw my 3DS collection video, um, you'll see that I've only scratched the surface of them. And this also includes the end of the Virtual Console as well, so not just... Exclusive games to 3DS, Japan exclusives, but also worldwide virtual console titles as well. 70 Game Boy Advance games, 50 Game Boy games, 31 Game Boy Color games, 40 TurboGrafx-16 games, 16 Game Gear games, 30 DS games, 35 Wii games, 47 NES games, 27 SNES games, and 8 N64 games not on Switch Online. will basically be gone, and you won't be able to legally purchase them anymore. And some of them, in fairness, have been re-released individually as part of some of these companies' collections, like the Sega Mega Drive collection, for example, Capcom have done a bunch of re-releases as well, so Namco, and Konami have done some as well, but fuck Konami, and they'll be gone. The only exception will be re-released collections, like I said, but also the physical copies for retro games, which are getting prohibitively expensive especially for older stuff and even newer stuff as well like the ds and the wii and people then have to get to the point where they have to turn to emulation and are like it's okay to pirate games when you don't make them legally available any other way and the same applies to modding consoles to remove region restrictions add homebrew put on emulators and other things like that and it's like And that's why it's counterproductive to try to stop piracy because you cut it but because people will do that stuff and in part it's because there aren't other legitimate legal ways of purchasing retro games and shutting down the e-shop and offering no alternative is a perfect example of that the implication by that question is literally like aside from what we choose to let people have Because a lot of it is a purposeful choice to only release a limited number of games on Switch Online. But also to basically say, if you don't want that, go off to the actual games originally. And that's a really privileged position to take because, well, money, late stage capitalism, people don't have the money for retro games. Especially the really expensive ones. And some of the cheap ones, yes, people can have money for the cheap ones, but the expensive stuff, no. I even went to, like, CEX the other day and saw an original copy of Super Mario World box for, like, £80, which is ridiculous. I mean, yeah, you can get it on Switch Online, but your region locked to always online. Or but you can, or you can pirate it for free, basically. That's kind of why people will resort to piracy. And, um, like, I think, like, the Switch Online is, it does have a few good things because things like the quality of life improvements and the online play, like Turn rewinds, they are good things, they are accessibility features, and they're important to have, especially for re-releases. But it shouldn't be the only option available, and not the only method available. Like, it should be an option, but not the only method available for others to play these classic games on, especially because things like, Online play and quality life improvements are also things you can get in emulators as well. And for some people, like disabled gamers, having things like button mapping and other things you can only get in emulators are also reasons to emulate games instead of going after the retro games themselves, because no point getting a game that you can't play. And that is something that Nintendo have also been bad on. Like, I It's a whole topic for another time, but Nintendo have a history of... Uh, being inconsiderate of accessibility issues for disabled people which has uh, been quite upsetting for disabled gamers and that's just one thing that cracking down on piracy enables like it's not the biggest reason but it is one reason so I'm just putting that as an aside there. Like on a personal level like I've been considering emulation more because of how prohibitively expensive older games are getting. And a huge lack of effort by these capitalist companies, not just Nintendo, to make games that can be re-released more accessible, and also like attack attempts to preserve games, like even putting thing, even putting aside things like taking down ROM sites. You also have things like the ESA lobbying against like game like game preservation issues in law and stuff like that, which basically that other industries have but not gaming so that's why there's like it's a difficult to preserve games there isn't a legal obligation and stuff like that which is a mess and then whereas you things like emulators where people do dump them people do make them work in emulators and the more the emulation improves the more that people be able to play games in them and that is the case with things like citra like that's the 3ds emulator like been trying out and it's it's really good like you can play the majority of 3ds games on it quite well even if your computer is a toaster and like i mentioned earlier citra has features like also found in switch online like with like safe states and rewind and stuff and also other things like screen size which isn't something that switch online has like unless you include like docked and undocked, which is basically a more limited version, and is kind of limited if your TV isn't, like, you can't, obviously, you obviously can't resize your TV, unless you get a new TV altogether, and it's not just for Citra, other emulators will have similar perks as well, so in many ways, emulation offers a better experience, and that's a belief that a lot of people have, and it's also, by extension, a reason why people play on PC as well, because even things like resolution is better. Like, I was trying Etrian Odyssey like, in, the, in the emulator on the 3DS, and it looked incredible. Like, if I was going to imagine a game on the Wii U in the Etrian series, it would be like what I saw on that, on the emulator, where the leaves looked absolutely beautiful, and it just was even more immersive with that new lick of paint which is lovely and like even if that came to switch online it probably would just be identical to the original thing and not as good so i kind of see why people think that oh we should just turn to piracy and it's like i mean some people take the stance that it's morally okay to pirate nintendo's games as a blanket but i don't quite fall into that camp but at the same time i do get why people would want to do that because it is because of reasons i've already said but I think generally if you can't get a game affordably and accessibly and the company isn't going to make money back on it, especially a large corporation, like they've already made their money back. You don't need to give them more money for the same thing. And you may as well go for it, especially if it offers a a better experience. Like with Tetris 99 had a physical version where you could play the game online in but still have like an offline car and go play offline. And I think something like that would have gone quite well for Switch Online with the, have all the accessibility features of the new games and a physical item to own it with, but just off- offline, if that makes sense. So that's kind of a great alternative that should be done, in my opinion. And in terms of these large corporations, you don't need to give them any more money for that they need, really. And I think that's why there's a bit of a difference between, like, big companies like Nintendo and indie devs. Like, one example that comes to mind uh, is Hotline Miami 2, where that game got blocked in Australia because of its content. I'm not sure exactly what, because I've never played it. But the dev was like, oh, just pirate it. And, yeah, that's a very rare exception, because generally with indie games, the risk is much higher And a lot of these games would be just too small to qualify for a physical release. Like, you have very rare exceptions, like the super rare games mixtape, which is fantastic, by the way. Really cool initiative. But otherwise, those games will not get physical. So if they can't be purchased anymore, then piracy is the only option. And I think that's part of, like, being anti-capitalist. So, like, being anti-capitalist is supporting emulation wherever possible and as a viable option as well as piracy where no alternative is available or if it's inferior to the real thing. And this is very common. And Nintendo is just the biggest outlier of it all. And it sums up a lot about these companies not caring about long-term preservation, artists' integrity, and stuff like that, and only about short-term financial gain, which is basically capitalism. Games are art, and it's important they're preserved, even if it's considered illegal and immoral, because companies don't care about these official means. And I'm just going to briefly go over some of the games that I've seen recommended, as well as a few I've played, just to kind of emphasize that we're going to be losing a lot of games that a lot of people do quite like. Um, There was my 3 Days Collection video, which I've mentioned a couple of times already before, but it's relevant again. I'll link in the description. And a lot of the games that I recommend picking up if you're interested, especially if they're like digital only in Europe or expensive already, like Edge Honesty games, Shin Megami Tensei, especially Shin Megami Tensei 4 because that never got a physical European release, Seventh uh, Dragon 3 from Sega, and whatever else you're interested in, basically. I would recommend doing your own research because a lot of people have started producing videos and recommendations. It's quite a uh, a very popular thing on YouTube at the moment where people are making these videos and it's basically it's the hits and that's basically what happened with me. I just released my 3DS collection really early and for some reason people like it. Well I don't know why but it surprised even me. Uh, other games which are noteworthy um, on the Wii U there's obviously Xenobay Chronicles X which hasn't been ported to Switch. I've not played it but hopefully it'll get ported eventually but as it stands it isn't. There's some digital only Wii U titles that are noteworthy, like Dr. Luigi, uh, Paul Block's World, uh, affordable space adventures. And depending on your region, some physical exclusives, like in Europe, we got Art Academy Atelier and uh, Project Zero Maiden of Blackwater, which is really expensive now. And the Asian Japanese versions of that on modern platforms uh, does not have English on the cart, by the way. So only way to get English on the disc. On the 3DS, there's a bunch more because it was more successful. So, like, um, the majority of uh, Sega 3D Classic Collection games are digital only in the West because in the West we only got one cart out uh, of three because in Japan there were three carts. And the first and the third carts were Japan only. We got the second one. And the third one in particular is extremely expensive. Um, there's also the um, Guild Zero One 1 and Guild Zero 2 trilogies not trilogies series by uh, level five where they um they had those experimental titles by different devs so things like attack of the friday monsters a turkey tale liberation maiden weapon shop till mass aeroporter etc um a couple of other things like exceed had some games that were localized for for north america and europe but in europe they didn't come out physically like lord of magna Maiden heaven return to popular koi uh, Capcom also had uh, Ace Attorney, Dual Destinies, and Spirit of Justice digital only in the West, so you can't get that at all physically in the West. Uh, the Paul Blocks and Pushmo series, I mentioned the Wii U one, but the 3DS series, which a lot of people really like as well. I thought the first one was alright, but it was the one I played like a really long time ago. Also the Box Boy trilogy, which... Is physical in Japan, but digital only everywhere else and is uh, now very expensive, to put it lightly. And they're only like £2 or something on the eShop. And finally, the Virtual Console with the DS games. like Because, yeah, that Virtual Console has DS games and Wii games on the Wii U, which is really cool. Um, bear in mind that some of them are already expensive physically. And so you've got things like Fire Emblem from Shadow Dragon, which is really expensive physically on the DS, by the way. Uh, some Pokemon games and Wii games as well, like, it's like Beat the Beat, Rhythm Paradise and Sin and Punishment, which are going up, for example. And also some Japan exclusives as well on the Japan Shop, if you can access that. Such as King and Raigen Live on the Wii, which is a Sandlot game, which, which looks interesting. But once that's gone, you can't get that anymore unless you get a physical copy. So, just like to bear in mind and just give some examples. There are more, like as I said, do your own research. Um, so, this is going to be it for today. I've gone on for a long time. So, thank you all so much for listening to me ramble. Uh, please consider liking, commenting, subscribing and other things for the algorithm and so much and so forth. Uh, thank you and goodbye.